You are listening to Bear in Mind, the University of Northern Colorado's official podcast. Join us each episode as we listen to the voices from UNC faculty, staff, students, and alumni as they offer insights of local or national importance. This is your host, Dan N. Cox, bringing you just a taste of UNC. Hi, my name is Danny Batchelor. I'm a sophomore here at UNC, majoring in English education, getting my endorsement in uh, culturally and linguistically diverse classrooms. Uh, On campus, I work in the Office of Admissions as a tour guide and as a gear shop attendant at Outdoor Pursuits. I'm also a producer with Operation Cheesecake. I learned recently in one of my English classes this term, iconoclast. Now, broken down into its simplest definition, it means image breaker. So, someone who attacks institutional beliefs. In history, they were known to have destroyed religious images and political structures and things like that. And they destructed these institutions by just naming the injustices they represented. So, some examples would be during the French Revolution. Iconoclast protesters attempted to destroy all the symbols their old government represented. There have been plenty of other examples of iconoclast figures in history that we're familiar with, but have never really defined as iconoclast. Like uh, revolutionary Egyptians who scratched out the images of recently deceased pharaohs, all the way to Martin Luther King Jr. and the Black Lives Matter movement today. Now, in art, an iconoclast deploys the same tactics of exposing truths and reflecting reality to convey a message. But what message? With most revolutionary iconoclasts that I mentioned before, that question is kind of easy. They call out society in hopes that it will change. And as my English professor, Dr. Kravit, put it in her lecture, an iconoclast artist emphasizes the authenticity of human experience through honesty and rawness. But that's just the means, the rhetoric, if you will. (laughs) The message is still entirely up to the artist. And that's kind of what I have a problem with. And the problem stems from the use of this phrase, authenticity of human experience. From what I got from Dr. Craver's lecture, and admittedly, my long-winded Google search in preparation for this podcast, an iconoclast can only exist in a world with conflict. And that any authentic portrait of the human experience must focus on such tensions. Now, I'm not saying the human experience is devoid of conflict. After all, we have history books full of wars and genocide and manipulation and colonization, and all of those things prevail into our everyday lives in some way. To say we authentically live in consistent agreement would be libel on my part. But I think the inherent issue with the iconoclast perspective is that's all they reflect of the human experience. Yeah, we're angry and ignored and put into pain as human beings, And it's important to call out those injustices, but we're also bored (laughs) and confused and sometimes just blank. And I think the disregard of these unprofound states of being is a serious disservice to humankind. At least that's the message I wanna convey in my iconoclast exercises, which I have no way of knowing is appropriate for the definition which I realize kind of destroys my credibility as a speaker, but I'd like to be totally clear with you on that. Um, 
And I would have asked Dr. Craver in class if that was right, but anyone who's been lucky enough to study with her will know that she flits around class like excited eyes on a page, and it can be difficult to get a word in. <laughs> Besides, I, I just like watching her in class. She's one of those teachers whose passion for their content shines through, which is something I've always admired. And I'm not just saying that because she gives me my grade. <laughs> now, oftentimes, I'll get lost in her ramblings, and then all of a sudden, the class is pulled into reality from the sound of notebooks slapping closed in the zipping bags. And just as everyone shuffles away, I'm used to overhearing an inescapable conversation between friends that usually goes a little something like this. So what'd you do this weekend? Oh, nothing. I just stayed in Greeley. Ugh, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's, it's whatever. I was gonna head out of town next weekend. There's just nothing to do here. Yeah, uh, Greeley's pretty boring. This conversation is what has inspired my writing project. Letters to Strangers is an anonymous art project where I write letters and draw pictures in public settings about how I feel and what I notice. These letters are then folded tightly and left for someone, anyone, to find. And I started this project mid-June 2019 because I was in a writing block. I was so concerned with people noticing I was smart and profound and the pressure I put on myself to create for approval weighed me down into inactivity. The idea was given to me by, by my friend, Ben Payton, and I'll give credit where credit's due. <laughs> he told me that I had to find a reason for writing without an audience. And I liked his idea because it allowed me to send something out into the world and accept that my words were not going to be meaningful for everyone. Letters to Strangers gave me this, this new freedom to express myself without the stress of being perceived. And then I started collecting them in this Instagram page and people could find them and follow me and ask questions. And I started creating this weird community. And where I went with my prose transformed me into an iconoclast before I even knew what the phrase meant. <laughs> so would you mind sharing some of the iconoclast archives? Yes, absolutely. So here's my profile. Letters to Strangers. Letters to Strangers. Um, and in the bio, the description, I just write how much can be shared. And then it has a little icon that says Greeley, Colorado. Um, right now I have 40 followers, which is impressive for me. <laughs> and around 70 posts. Um, here, we'll go down to the beginning. You can see these first couple ones. I, I don't have any art attached to it. Um, I didn't start drawing until way later because um, I, I figured and it started with with these um, portraits of music that I was listening to while I was writing it and I could just draw like the screen on my phone of what the music looked like and I was hoping that people would you know listen to these songs and find something new or something that they would never heard before and it would kind of go along with the tone of what I was writing about. Yeah, kind of bring them into the environment that you were. Yeah. So where where did you begin writing these or drawing these? Which one came first? 
So the writing came first, and I was just I was drawing for my own personal like notebook, and then I decided to bring them together um, on a trip to California. Um, but I started writing the letters just here at UNC this summer um, while I was working as a tour guide. And the first one I left was in uh, the campus commons, right by those windows. Um, like up on the second story? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to yeah, hear it? Please. All right. So this is the very first one. So I didn't really know where I was going with it yet. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, uh, the handwriting is <laughs> a little atrocious, which my mom has commented on many times. She follows the page. <laughs> um, Just love. It is. It is. Um, so this was written June 17th, 2019. Uh, Dear Stranger, have you ever noticed how there's a melody to some people's footsteps? I remember when I was a kid, I would drag my feet. I can see myself walking through the slick, bump-free floors of Home Depot, dragging my feet with relentlessly lazy fluidity, till finally my sister com commanded me to stop. The sound was annoying her. <laughs> so I stopped, and in turn decided to also be annoyed by the people who dragged their feet. Now I hear the scuffed riff of footsteps around me and a conditioned headache creeps into remind me hardly anything comes from my own perception of the world. It's always what someone else thinks, how someone else feels or reacts. The only reason I walked when I was a kid with both feet on the ground like a magnet gliding was because I had attached some subtle identity to the way the walk looked. I thought it looked cute and effortless all at seven years old. <laughs> and I always seeked out approval. Not from everyone, just the people whose opinions I weighed. I'd seek out mentors and older friends who teach me about life and listen to my stories and encourage my writing, and I never felt like there was anything wrong with that. I was proud even of my ability to seek out help and validation. Lately though, I've come to the realization that without that validation, I can't trust in myself. I'll write something down and won't let myself be proud of it till someone else tells me it's good. Or if they tell me I'm bad or it needs work, I'll depress into an intense writer's block till the next comment of encouragement comes along. But I don't wanna drag my feet any longer. And I'm tired of waiting for someone else to tell me how I should feel or what I should do. So I'm going to write, and I'm going to realize, and I'm going to release it, and I'm not going to worry how you perceive this, because after all, you're just a stranger who happened to sit in the same place I did, and why should I care what you think? Ooh, I liked that ending. <laughs> Do you have a, a certain notebook that you're taking these pages from? So I started out in a, in a notebook that my sister gave me, and it's, it's small. You know, it's just like maybe as big as a hand, um, which I liked that because, you know, it's subtle. It's not too much writing. Um, it's easy to be, you know, perceived, I think. Um, and then I ran out of pages, <laughs> and... 
I started writing on lined paper or flyers that people gave me. So um, there's a lot of different mediums. I even wrote one um, in the gym on the whiteboard in the, um, the group fit room at ah, one time. Okay. Yeah. And it was just short, but yeah. It's just a little message whenever you have the chance yeah. and, and you're able to, to share. Mm-hmm. Do you find some, some almost therapeutic practice when doing these? Absolutely. Yes, I <laughs> I can't even explain how how different I feel about where I am and what I'm feeling after I've written one of these letters. Is there is there ever a time where you you finish one and you say no, I'm I'm not happy with that because these seem like, you know, I don't want to say disposable, but you're not holding on to these, so Right. Are you are you proud with every single one? Yes. Yes. But it it took a lot of work to get to that place. Mm. And especially with the drawing. Because mm. that was something that was really new to me. And vulnerable. And super vulnerable. And so I would set out to write a letter. And I'm like, this is what I want to talk about. This is where I'm sitting right now. Let me just draw what's in front of me. And then I'll look and I'm like, this is gross. <laughs> this is a bad drawing. And I can express that. And that's what feels so good about it. Like I can express on the page that like, I don't like the way that this looks, but I'm gonna send it out anyway. And through the process of writing about it and just being honest, my perception of that drawing or that prose that I've just written down changes seems like a release I, and I feel like especially like in school we we almost have to always give our best because we're looking for that grade mm. but there's no grade here it's just the satisfaction of you being able to to release these these ideas and thoughts and observations onto a piece of paper for strangers right yeah. and there's something so validating about that especially because I'm not receiving anything back mm-hmm yeah that's great. So have you received anyone like like following you based on finding these letters? Yeah, actually I've only had one interaction. So far. So far. Mm-hmm. So far. <laughs> um, here, let me read the letter that she responded to. Um, it's pretty short. It's just, you can see just on this little scrap of paper that I found. Yeah. Um, Dear stranger, this moment feels like a reset. I'm in limbo, trapped cozy between endless periods of rapid unconsciousness, the promise of busy beginnings, and my deep desire to create slowly. This whole week has passed by with no moments of mindful reflection, equal parts mundane and mind-consuming. But I sit here now, really truly now, enthralled by the beauty of my own hand and the shadow it casts on this table. If anything, I'm a proud of my ability to come back. From romantic projections to bad date stories, gullible optimism to cautious resilience, and loving self-rapport to formidable misunderstanding. I always come back. What do you need to come back to? Take this as a welcome invitation. I promise you have all you need. Now I wrote this the very first week of school. 
uh, right after I got back from this trip and I left it in Margie's. <laughs> and it was funny because I was sitting in one of these square tables that they have in there. And afterwards I was doing my homework and just, you know, all this busy work that I had to do. And finally a booth opened up. And so I left the letter on that square table and I moved to the booth. And then right after I left, the woman who sat, who received this letter, I saw her and I got to see her read it and see her follow me. And I could just like, <laughs> I just like noticed her and her reaction to receiving this letter. And it felt so good. It felt like a secret, you know, but something that was like really magical. So now I could just sit down and reflect on where I was and how I felt about it, and how I felt about feeling about it, <laughs> and all for this faceless recipient, but really it was for me. And once I started sharing all the tiny things I had once cast away as insignificant, I realized the power in simply naming something. It didn't have to be bad or profound or important, it just was, and that felt revolutionary. And all of a sudden, I had a relationship with my surroundings. My walk to class isn't just a walk to class because I hold my own story about the faces I see on my way there. A casual coffee break at Margie's isn't just a coffee break because the effects of the espresso force me into embodiment. A long day at work isn't just a long day at work because I have the ability to attach personal significance to my service. Commonplace occurrences that rarely find their way into the world of fine art and yet they hold significance simply because they are a part of what it means to be human. Through written self-reflection and release, my experience with Greeley went from insignificant to one of the most important relationships with home I've ever had. And after that, any passive comment I overheard about this town felt like a personal offense. I mean, <laughs> how could they say things like boring, when they haven't spent time in the crest, blanketed in pre-recorded jazz music and the smell of popcorn as they sit expectantly in their velvet throne awaiting their $8 movie, or by night descend into the speakeasy where a UNC student plays piano and plenty of faces greet you as the hostess leads you through the secret door. How could anyone say, Greeley has nothing to do? when they could casually step into Cranford's every Wednesday night and watch round old men pick the blues with their puffy fingers on delicate mandolins, or visit Luna's Tacos on a Tuesday night when the booths are full and the line chefs belt mariachi from the kitchen. And how could anyone say Greeley's ugly when they haven't visited Glenmere Park, where the cicadas scream the song of summer and where the lake freezes over in the winter for ducks to walk along like students on their way to class? I just don't get it. I know Greeley can seem boring, especially when we compare it to other college towns like Denver or Boulder, but I'm asking you to not shy away from that feeling. Delve in and explore your mundane significance with this strange town and know you're experiencing the essential qualities that make us human. Because as long as we're asking the iconoclasts, your participation and attention to those realities is one of the most important things you can do.
If you want to read more, you can follow me on Instagram at letters underscore number two underscore strangers. Mm-hmm.